0: You want to solve the problems in the black ghettos don't bring no money down there you're gonna to have to do something first that won't cost you one nickel as far as black folks are concerned and that is for the first time in the history of america you're gonna have to create an atmosphere where black folks will trust white folks and the way you're gonna do that not with 80 billion dollars you're gonna get up on that indian reservation and cut my red brother loose You're going to give my Puerto Rican brother his constitutional rights. You're going to free my Mexican brother. And last but not least, because my Jewish brother plays a lot of games with himself, but you should paint your face as black as mine and see what that Gentile say to us about you every day and you realize you're in the same stinking bag with the rest of us. So what we say in short, simple and sweet, when you free my Jewish brother, my Indian brother, my Mexican brother, my Puerto Rican brother... And at that point, we'll say, my white brother, I trust you. Come into my ghetto, and together we will solve my problems. But if you think you're going to solve my problems and keep all them other minority groups hung up, we say to you today, you better take that $80 billion and buy yourself some of the biggest guns money can buy. Because you damn sure going to need them. So as we say goodnight to you this evening, I say to those of you that worked on my presidential campaign, thanks, those of you that voted for me. Banks. I sit up late on election night waiting on Long Island to come in and put me over you know but, yeah. <laughs> one of the great things that the white world does not know but I think I do know is that black people are just like everybody else everybody knows no matter what they do not know they wouldn't like to be a black man in this country. What are you without racism? I ain't good? I'm still strong? Are you still smart? Are you still like yourself? I want to live like you. This country is mine too. I get as much forward as you. If you can only be tall because somebody's on their knees, then you have a serious problem. And my feeling is white people have a very, very serious problem. And they should start thinking about what they can do about it. Take me out of it.
1: Hello, hello, Space and Timers. I hope everyone is well. I've been away for a little bit. I'm going to get to a point where these are coming out consistently. It's just I've been working on a lot of things. And in time, it will make sense. But right now, I will just take it as it is and create when the moment arises. I'm always fascinated by where my curiosity takes me. One of the things recently that I've been really fascinated by, I remember going to DC a long time ago and going to Atlanta. And I'll be honest, I had great times in both places, especially DC. But they weren't places that before I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to go back to. But starting maybe mid-year, beginning of the year, I had this yearning to go to both places, which kind of surprised me, especially Atlanta. And I think one of those things was the fact that after a while, you just yearn for the ability to be surrounded by more Black people that are doing things in in a certain, uh, that are existing in space in a certain way. And I had made mention of this to a couple of people and I will be taking a trip to one of those places soon. Actually, I was in Maryland um, recently, so that was cool. But that was just a stopover on the way to North Carolina. But but yeah, but I think that that was the main thing that was like drawing me to those places. The The desire to just be around more people that look like me. And I think that's why I was so taken by North Carolina when I was just there recently, because the first time I had went there, it was a far different experience. I just, you know, I was on a farm and it it was just a lot different. This time I was more in the city. We went down there to drop my sister off for school and I was so surprised by the feeling that I felt everywhere I went where I was about to head into a store and all the people it seemed that were coming out were just you know were melanated people and went to the gym everywhere that I went and it just felt really nice to not feel like a quote-unquote minority which I tend to dislike that term more and more um, because obviously when you look on a global scale we are far from a minority we actually the majority but you know how things go here uh, in America. But while I was in North Carolina, I remember driving somewhere and I think it might have been to the gym. And I saw a Muslim on the corner passing out the paper that they create. And I decided to put my window down and take one. And the brother's name was Brother Harold and we just chatted for a little bit, and he asked me where I was from, I told him, and he said that the closest place to me that he could put me in contact with someone would be New York, and for me, it's not a matter of like converting or anything like that, it's just, I've always been fascinated by just knowledge overall, but obviously with religion and different religions and the different doctrines and dogmas that come with them, I've always thought it's fascinating, And I like learning from all religions, really. But it's really interesting how things that we are meant to experience will always find us no matter what. I've had this issue of The Final Call, which is their paper, for almost two months now. And I'm doing some tidying up. And I just tossed it aside. And I almost threw it away. But I kept looking at it, looking at it, and after I was done, I just grabbed it, and I saw that there was an article from the Minister Louis Farrakhan, and obviously, you know, I feel like he's, to me, obviously, to a lot of people, controversial figure. I don't feel like he's controversial, in in my eyes, at least, because, you know, a lot of the things that he says are things that I've always heard, things that I've always sought out certain truths that for our community doesn't come like, you know, an episode of Scared Straight, you know? So as I was reading the article, I just thought about how so much of these things people don't know. And I've learned a lot through the years, especially over the last, you know, five to 10 years, but there's still so much that I don't know. And as I'm reading this, and I thought about, man, could I share this on a podcast? And It's crazy that we live in a time in a world where I have to think about that. I've thought about that several times, whether it's about sharing certain things on social media or what have you, because the fact of the matter is we do get censored, we do get shadow banned, and this is a real thing. So there are just certain things that they don't want broadcast. And being that we don't own any of the platforms that we are broadcasting on, most of the time we have to obey, abide by their rules. And when they impose certain restrictions, sanctions on us, what do we do? We we beg for our accounts back. And as I read this article, it just became more and more apparent that, you know, it was something that I wanted to share. And that took me from that to now thinking about some of my favorite songs that That referred to the minister. One of them is a song by Nas. Which most people that know me. Know that Nas has been my favorite rapper. Since I was probably 13. And the thing is. We are always drawn to the people. That we feel like we are most alike. And I feel like early on. Nas was just someone. Who I felt very much akin to. Like I. I Related to him. I even his family structure. I always told everyone how I felt like, you know, his mom, you know, rest in peace, um, reminded me a lot of my mother. Um, and the relationship with his father and even his father being a musician and all of that and how he got into, uh, music, just, you know, with the instruments in the house and, All of that. It just it it resonated so much. And yeah, so Nas has just been my favorite for such a long time. He had this album that came out in 2008. And I remember all the fuss about it, because it was initially supposed to be titled nigger. And the fact that again, the powers that be control everything. And they blocked him from naming it that And he settled on Untitled. And I remember he even had this song. I think it was Hero, where he was talking about basically the freedom of expression that people like Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen and, you know, some of these guys are afforded. Aren't the same ones that someone like Nasir Jones from the Queensbridge projects is afforded, you know, and even. The fact that, again, a black man in America with the history of black people in America is not able to name his album an epithet, a pejorative and historically hurtful word that has inflicted so much pain on our people, but is not able to use his art to educate, continue to educate his people the way that he done throughout his career and... It just was really sad. And even thinking about it now, you know, but again, when you don't own much, when they control everything, these are the types of things that they can do. And I even remember learning from him, you know, he said, how is it that I can't name my album this, but the fact that, you know, we love John Lennon and everything, but John Lennon has a song called Woman is the Nigger of the World. You know what I mean? And I actually just saw the lyrics for the first time um i'll read a little bit of it to y'all uh, woman is the nigger of the world yes she is think about it woman is the nigger of the world think about it do something about it we make her paint her face and dance if she won't be a slave we say that she don't love us if she's real we say she's trying to be a man while putting her down we pretend that she is above us Woman is the nigger of the world, yes she is. If you don't believe me, take a look at the one you're with. Woman is a slave to the slaves, ah yeah, better scream about it. We make her beer and raise our children. And then we leave her flat for being a fat old mother hen. We tell her home is the only place she should be. Then we complain that she's too unworldly to be our friend. Woman is the nigger of the world, yes she is. If you don't believe me, take a look at the one you're with. Oh, woman is the slave to the slaves. Yeah, all right. We insult her every day on TV and wonder why she has no guts or confidence. When she's young, we kill her will to be free. While telling her not to be so smart, we put her down for being so dumb. Woman is the nigger of the world. Yes, she is. If you don't believe me, take a look to the one you're with. Women is a slave to the slaves. Yes, she is. If you believe me, you better scream about it. We make her paint her face and dance. We make her paint her face and dance. And that repeats a few times before the song ends. And that's great. I mean, I love the message. And like I said, I've always been a huge fan of of the Beatles and John Lennon, especially for what he stood for and what he did. But again, you know, the luxuries that the white man has been afforded in this country, especially is a mockery to the rest of us which brings me back to Nas. And, you know, that was the first time I had learned about that was through him. And while he was censored from naming his album, what he wanted to name it. So he went with the album being Untitled and he actually has a song called Untitled. Overall, he's just talking about the leadership scene in the black community. It's history how people in power come to be and what kind of responsibilities they have and often what happens to black leaders that become too powerful. Most of them have had the same fate, if not all of them. The song starts off with someone in the background saying they did not have the power to stop Louis Farrakhan. And then they talk about how basically they were trying to infiltrate the nation and do what they did. Look at the history of Malcolm and Elijah Muhammad. So then Nas goes on to say, No revolutionary gets old, or so I'm told. You're left full of bullet holes when you tell the people go free. Oh, it's a matter of days before they try to take me. I heard gunshots rang. His bullet got my name. I see him take aim. I drank as they came. Cause I stood in the face of damnation. Satan spat at him. Flat out disgraced him. He want my blood, but why me? Why not the fake ones who deserve death, man? eff it, I'll take one can stop me but can't stop a whole nation of millions who feel you deceive them they believe in reparations make it even so i'm deadly now because of one reason they listening in budapest japan china and switzerland we getting it in son another bullet passed by missed me wondering who plotting to get me alphabet boy still plotting against me to hush me up and stuff me in the pockets of history you won't remember why they came to clip me When time go by, you'll soon forget me. They say he was the king of blank jewels and Bentleys. Then they use one of my lines just to prove I'm guilty. Don't let them kill me. And that actually reminds me of the whole controversy when Nas was slated to perform at, I think it was the benefit concert for Virginia Tech. After that horrendous shooting that took place there. And Nas got put on the bill. And I remember it became a big controversy after especially Bill O'Reilly made, of course he did, made a big ruckus of it. And, you know, talked about how Nas was a promoter of, you know, all these things and, 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 you know, what they do. And that line, especially, that's what it reminds me of. Again, then they use one of my lines just to prove I'm guilty you know? So it's up to us to basically control our narrative. Um, I know that's the hot word these days, but again, we have to, we have to tell our stories lest they tell it for us. Cause often when they do, we've seen throughout history, it's not told the same way. We get omitted, um, lies get put in, and it's important that especially we tell our young the true story, of how we know it to be. Because even if we don't have the 100% truth, it's a lot better than theirs. This is We Are Victims of Genocide by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, greetings to you. I am Minister Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, that great preacher of freedom, justice, and equality to the black man and woman of America and the Western Hemisphere, and to the aboriginal people of the earth, the eternal leader of the nation of Islam, and a warner to the government and people of the United States of America, and a warner to the nations of the earth. Our subject today is titled, Wicked Policy in America's National Interest, We have talked about the policy of our government to depopulate the third world by putting serulence in the water and in staple foods, as well as other methodologies. This depopulation is driven by policy which concerns the national interests of America for the raw materials of third world nations, the land, the water, as well as minerals, gold, silver, uranium and oil. We also spoke on Dr. Henry Kissinger's National Security Study Memorandum 200, which stated this policy of the population that was accepted under President Gerald Ford and was reintroduced again under President Jimmy Carter. And unfortunately, it's still policy today toward the third world. We also mentioned that this depopulation policy was being implemented not only in the United States of America today through abortions and toxic poisons being added to our water supply, but it is also being introduced to developed nations of the West as well. What is quote-unquote policy? According to the dictionary, policy is a noun which is defined as a course of action adopted and pursued by a government, ruler, or political party. And it is an action or procedure conforming to or considered with reference to prudence or expediency. Policy is as a definite course or method of action selected from among alternatives and in light of given conditions to guide and determine present and future actions. Generally speaking, this means that any decision made by a government on how to act is considered to be government policy. We then can understand that this depopulation memorandum that Dr. Kissinger introduced became the policy of our government and unfortunately is the policy of our government. It is policy with the United States of Agriculture, the United States Department of Defense, the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, the State Department and the United States Agency for International Development, USAID. In terms of how this wicked policy of depopulation has affected Africa and the third world, during my last visit to Zimbabwe in Southeastern Africa, we learned how the AIDS pandemic was killing 5,000 Zimbabweans a week, 20,000 a month. And the biggest industry at the time in the capital city of Harare was the making of coffins. And although it was the blacks who were dying of AIDS, I asked about the white population were they dying of AIDS? And the answer was, quote, no, they were not, unquote. I went to a luncheon sponsored by the Zimbabwean Department of Health and the wonderful female doctor who was the Minister of Health was so proud to announce that every child in Zimbabwe was vaccinated with vaccines that had come from America and Europe. I grieved over the widespread death due to the poisons Not unintentionally put in vaccines, but intentionally put in vaccines to limit population of black people in those countries and places in the world where America's needs for their vital minerals and resources were deemed necessary in her mind for her national interest to keep America In the world as the number one superpower killing off tens of hundreds of thousands of people in the third world nations because those nations trust the scholars and scientists of the Western world white people who claim to want to help them while there are many white people who are sincere. They are the fronts that are used to open the door for the insincere satanic mind to enter to practice evil under a claimed quote noble motive unquote. So the enemy has not changed from the beginning of his creation, killing the darker, saving the lighter. And that nature has not changed from the time of General Jeffrey Amherst in 1763, who put smallpox in blankets and came to the Indians claiming that these blankets would, quote, help comfort them through the winter, unquote. Using biological weapons against the native people and the fact that we were injected with the most virulent form of syphilis during the Tuskegee experiment from 1932 to 1972, allowing us to cohabit with others to spread the disease. And all we got when it was discovered was an apology and some meager, very meager compensation. Also, millions of Americans were given polio shots starting in the 1950s and 1960s, and now flu shots. And we don't know what contagions or toxins are in the vial or serum that we are being injected with. I went to Libya and spoke with brother leader Muammar Gaddafi and we advised him about setting up in Libya a pharmaceutical enterprise that would make medicines and vaccines for Africa and the third world. Cuba has some of the cleanest vaccines to be found in the world, but the embargo on Cuba disallows her to produce what she would desire to produce for the health and well-being of the peoples of the world. This is why Gaddafi, in the mind of Europe and America, had to be destroyed, because he agreed to do this and then opened a $500 million hospital in Tripoli. I was present at the opening of that hospital, and next to that hospital was a team of scientists that were developing medicines and vaccines. In 1998, a Palestinian medical intern, along with five Bulgarian nurses, was found guilty by a Libyan court of intentionally infecting some 400 Libyan children with HIV in a Benghazi, Libya hospital. The case was remanded, and a second trial also ended in a guilty conviction. The six were incarcerated from 1998 until the Supreme Court of the Libyan government upheld the death sentence conviction in July of 2007. The United States and the European Union had been constantly petitioning the Libyan government for their release despite the first conviction and even after the court's early July 2007 decision to uphold that conviction. An agreement was reached with the European Union that Libya would extradite these nurses to Bulgaria to serve their time in their own home country. And when they arrived, Bulgarian President Georgi Paranov commuted their sentences and freed the six. It was reported in an article, quote, for Bulgarian nurses, freedom isn't easy, unquote. In the Christian Science Monitor on November 19, 2008, that although there were reports that the six were tortured for confessions, that quote, some Bulgarians still believe that the nurses are guilty, unquote, and quote, others view them as opportunistic, unquote, referring to a reported deal to make a movie. But we see them as part of a policy of genocide that America and this policy could be charged in the International Criminal Court with genocide. The biological pandemic AIDS has a bleak, ominous, and questionable history when we consider a June 19, 1969 Subcommittee of the Committee on Appropriations House of Representatives hearing, which contained the testimony of Dr. Donald M. MacArthur of the Army Advanced Research Project Agency, who testified on, quote, chemical and biological warfare, quote, as follows, quote. There are two things about the biological field agent I would like to mention. One is the possibility of technical surprise. Molecular biology is a field that is advancing very rapidly and eminent biologists believe that within a period of 5 to 10 years, it would be possible to produce a synthetic biological agent, an agent that does not naturally exist and for which no natural immunity could have been acquired, What is AIDS? It is Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome. Dr. MacArthur later added that it was possible to make a, quote, new infective microorganism, unquote, that would be refractory to the immunological and therapeutic processes upon which we depend to maintain our relative freedom from infectious diseases. What is the meaning of refractory? It's an adjective that means uncontrollable, stubborn, rebellious, heat resistant physics industry resistant to high temperatures and therefore not easily melted and not responsive to treatment, medicine unresponsive to medical treatment as in a refractory infection. The report also deduced, quote, it is a highly controversial issue and there are many who believe such research should not be undertaken lest it is led to another method of massive killing of large populations, unquote. The request for the $10 million to pursue that research was granted in 1970 under House Bill 15090 to begin the study. In a May 11, 1987, London Times article entitled, quote, Smallpox Vaccine Triggered AIDS Virus, unquote, by Pierce Wright, then the Times Science Editor, he wrote regarding a 13-year-old World Health Organization, WHO, so-called smallpox vaccine program, the smallpox vaccine theory would account for the position of each of the seven Central African states which top the league table of most infected countries. Why Brazil became the most afflicted Latin American country? It has 80 million sons and daughters of Africa in Brazil. And how Haiti became the route for the spread of AIDS to the U.S., the greatest spread of HIV infection coincides with the most intense immunization programs, with the number of people immunized being as follows. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, formerly known as Zaire, 36.8 million people were vaccinated. In Zambia, 19 million. In Tanzania, 14.9 million. In Uganda, 11.6 million. In Malawi, 8.1 million in Rwanda, 3.3 million, and in Burundi, 3.2 million. But the main one is Zaire, now the Democratic Republic of Congo, and that is where the most mineral resources are that America needs are found. The smallpox inoculations in Zimbabwe from 1964 to 73, when it was still called Rhodesia, was 13,410,444 Zimbabweans. Mineral resources of Zimbabwe and the Democratic Republic of the Congo are as follows. Zimbabwe industries are mining, coal, gold, platinum, copper, nickel, tin, diamonds, clay, numerous metallic and non-metallic ores, steel, wood products, cement, chemicals, fertilizer, clothing, and footwear, foodstuffs, Beverages and in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the industries of mining, copper, cobalt, gold, diamonds, coltan, zinc, tin, tungsten, mineral processing, consumer products, textiles, plastics, footwear, cigarettes, metal products, processed foods and beverages, timber, cement, commercial ship repair could this be why there is constant civil war in the Congo? There is an AIDS pandemic as we speak in the black community. And the black woman, it is said, is the number one carrier of the HIV virus. Remember the words of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad when he spoke of the scientists that use such poison on human beings. Elijah Muhammad said they either want to, one, minimize the birth rates of human beings, or two, cause the extinction of a people. That is very serious for both of these are a part of the, quote, the Convention on Genocide, What is genocide? According to Article 2 of the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, adopted by the United Nations General Assembly on December 9, 1948, enforced on January 12, 1951, it states, In the present convention, genocide means any of the following acts committed with intent to destroy, In whole or in part, a national, ethnical, racial, or religious group as such, killing members of the group, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part, and imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group and forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. My dear people of America, my dear brothers and sisters, all of that is going on right now. We are the victims of genocide. I thought the article was fascinating and I loved every minute of it. I hope that you guys were able to get something out of that. I think the main thing I'm doing, if, if you've been with me for a little bit, is just the fact that. You know, no matter what, you have to trust your gut. And for me, I always let my instincts guide me. And the things that I'm interested in, whether it be about any of the myriad of things that I've covered already, but I am just putting out things that I'm really interested in. And I think when you do that, rather than trying to pander to people, is when, you know, you're going to find the people that really rock with you. And the fact that, you know, I have all these things in my phone, so many, so many things. And we don't know our history. We don't know our history because our history has been suppressed. Our history has been omitted. And it's just really sad. I remember reading this one thing that it said, British slave traders used the argument that they were, quote, rescuing unquote Africans by capturing them and taking them to Europe or America in that there was singing and dancing on ships and that once they got to the plantations, they got these comfy little cottages and that in actuality they were doing better than the poor British peasants and that freeing the enslaved would be quote cramming liberty down the throats of people incapable of digesting it unquote like these are the things that are out there. These are the things that really depict how history was instead of the whitewashed version that little white kids get or even our kids get in the schools. And I think it's important, again, no matter how much we become shadow banned, but we can't show that we are afraid to speak the truth. You know, even hearing about Haiti in that article, and it reminded me of something that I had written down here, said Haiti had to pay billions around 21 to France after it gained independence for lost quote unquote property so that it wouldn't reinvade and re-enslave them. The descendants of slaves had to pay the descendants of the slave owners. You want us to be understanding and not get mad when we find this type of shit out. You can get a well, I wrote something else behind that, but I'm not going to. But but it's again it's just, you know, it it's and I'll share this last one that I, I wrote after again I was enlightened. With some facts that I had learned, and I wrote, France holds the national reserves of 14 African countries in its central bank. What would the world be without Africa? I like to travel, but it's extremely conflicting to go to some of these places knowing these things. But what can we do? Declaration is one part. If France and some of these other colonial powers didn't care about black people as much as they have shown, Why not give black people all the artifacts they've stolen back that have made them fortunes for generations? You can't dislike black people and keep stealing black culture. I'll see y'all in Paris. We paid for a lot of it anyway. Might as well enjoy it, too. You know, and it's just things like this. And, you know, I'll stop now. But. Again, it's just um, for me, it's easier, it's less disheartening once I'm able to share these things and and get it out of me and um, just be able to have someone, anyone, um, even if it's one, (laughs) um, listen to this and get something from it. Because at, at least, you know, I'm not just putting more fodder in the ether. Hoping that I strike it big while at the end knowing that I wasn't fully myself and I didn't fully put out in the world what I wanted to. That is one of the most saddest things to me one can do with their life. And I made a vow a long time ago to never betray my integrity. And I don't feel like I've done that yet. So if you've been here with me and you've taken this ride, I appreciate you. Please rate, review, send me an email, let me know what you think, send me a message on Instagram, Uh, you can find me at Uzadu, U-Z-A-D-U, and um, yeah, I'll see y'all soon, take care.
0: my how did you feel? you in here? my Need Lord, Lord, me.